Good afternoon. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Tricia Sirio, a professor of molecular and cellular biology at the University of Arizona. Thanks for coming in, Tricia. Thanks for having me, Tim. The thing I wanted us to talk about was prions. So tell us just a little bit about what is a prion? We keep hearing about them. Prions are infectious proteins, which is a really unusual thing. So we all have prions in our bodies, and normally uh, they just go about their normal business. But if they change their shape, they can be transmitted from one person to another or from an animal to a person. And when that happens, it leads to a whole host of diseases. Probably the one that people are most familiar with are mad cow disease. In humans, prion diseases are progressive and invariably fatal at the moment. How can a protein change its shape? How does that happen? That's a good question. So you can think of a protein as a piece of yarn, and you can tie that piece of yarn up into a different shape. For example, if you knit it into a hat. But you could also take the same piece of yarn and knit it into a pair of mittens. Underlying all that, it's still the same piece of yarn, but it's just folded into a different shape. And when it's in a different shape, it has a different function. How can it become infectious, though? Does it carry genetic material that tells it how to do the folding? Prions actually have no genetic material. So genetic material is thought to be nucleic acids, which are known as DNA or RNA. And so proteins are completely different. They're made of amino acids. And they're um, infectivity is caused by their shape. So the shape can copy itself. And it, by copying that shape, you copy the function of the protein in that particular shape. How do prions and viruses and bacteria, the other things that we think of as causing disease, how, how do they compare to one another? Are they sort of all the same size? So we think of viruses as um, having some piece of nucleic acid, whether it be RNA or DNA, and most frequently that's wrapped in a protein shell. In the case of a prion, there's only the protein part. And prions and viruses are also different in um, how easy they are to inactivate. So you can think of disinfectants and always wiping down your counter and things like that. All those treatments kill viruses, but they're completely ineffective against prions. In fact, one of the roots of transmission of prion diseases is on surgical instruments. So a prion can um, survive autoclaving of surgical instruments, for example. And autoclaving is heating to very, very high temperatures. At high pressure, yes. Now, what is it that you study about prions? So we're really fascinated with this change in shape and how that leads to disease outcomes. Um, because the difference between a healthy prion and a disease prion is just the shape, we reason that if you can fold in one direction, you should be able to refold in the other direction. So we're really interested in trying to understand if we can cure prion diseases by refolding these proteins once they adopt this disease state. Um, and we found at least three ways that we can do that in a baker's yeast, which is the model system that we use. And we're hoping that the lessons we learn in yeast can be applied to human diseases. Some of the examples you said that mad cow disease is an example. Are, some, are there some others? 
Prion diseases are part of a larger group of diseases which are known as protein misfolding diseases. So the prion diseases are those that are infectious or transmissible. But the bigger umbrella of protein misfolding diseases includes many diseases that you're probably familiar with, like type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, Huntington's disease, and Parkinson's disease. And once one protein changes its shape, is it the sort of thing that it's a domino effect? Or is it just that each one happens independently? So once you have one uh, molecule changing its shape, it can act as a template to take all the other protein of that type in the cell and have it change its shape. How did you get into doing research on prions? What got you started? Uh, I was an undergraduate at Lehigh University, and I was working in a lab on cholesterol. And a postdoc in the lab told me about these infectious proteins. And uh, it seemed absolutely crazy to me at that time because everyone knew that proteins couldn't be infectious. Only viruses and bacteria were infectious. Thank you for coming in, Tricia. Thanks so much, Tim. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this has been Arizona Science. You can hear this and other Arizona Science conversations by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.